Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 215 and uh, I am back in my apartment in Queens. So we are back to our regularly scheduled microphone. This is the Blue Yeti as opposed to my travel ATR mic for you mic heads out there. I don't know if there are any among you, but just in case. <laughs> um, so today's blog cast is right up to the minute with the actual blog. And partly that's because I have not been blogging so very much uh, this month, partly because of the power outage situation that I was in. And it's just been kind of a weird month. So April is the cruelest month. August is the weirdest month. I don't know if that's really true across the board. Uh, but it feels like it this year. Hee <laughs> hee. 2020, you are so very 2020, is what you are. 2020. Anyway, this blog is about something that I just found myself suddenly furious about all of a sudden. Just randomly, one day, I mean, there was a trigger, but the trigger is not important. Uh, I just suddenly was like, wow, I'm super mad about this. And uh, so I had to write this this blog. Um, So it is called, Is a 17-Year-Old Girl Convincible? I sort of thought I was all done sorting through my past and reevaluating. I'd scanned through it during the various waves of yes, all women and me too. But the other day, I found myself suddenly absolutely newly furious about a relationship I had when I was 17. Before this moment, I had mostly fond memories of this relationship. And despite some ups and downs, I remained friends with this man. Until now, I'd seen the relationship with the eyes of the 17-year-old girl who was in it. Now I'm 46, and I realize that I had no business being involved with a 23-year-old man. He should absolutely not have been messing around with me, a 17-year-old girl. At the time, it all seemed very reasonable. I saw myself as an unusually mature young woman who'd outgrown boys my own age, To be involved with a man who'd already graduated from college, had jobs, even gone to war. Well, there was no question I was into the idea. His attentions seemed to confirm what I imagined about myself, that I was a grown-up person ready for grown-up relationships. But the woman I am now has suddenly realized that I was not nearly as grown up as I imagined myself and that this experience, while not all that bad, was also not good. One of the things that suddenly dawned on me was a new interpretation of his friend's behavior. I thought they didn't like me. I thought they thought I wasn't good enough for their friend. I thought they were underestimating me, that they didn't know me well enough to understand how mature I was. I realize now that they were trying to protect me. It wasn't that they didn't like me. 
They just didn't think a 23-year-old man should be messing around with a 17-year-old girl. They told their friend not to mess around with me, and I suppose he got sort of half the message, because he told me we couldn't date. We could only be friends. And we were. Except for when we'd make out. Except for when we'd roll around in his bed. Except for when he'd try to sneak past my boundaries. But it had to be a secret. Which now I recognize as a giant red flag, but at the time just seemed necessary, since his friends did not approve. Now I know his friends were right, but I wonder if their attempts to help actually made the situation worse. So much of the damage was around the secrecy. Because I was a kid, I thought the secrecy was because I wasn't good enough to date out in the open. When this guy remarked that all of his girlfriends had been extraordinarily beautiful, I felt the reason I wasn't his actual girlfriend was because I lacked this essential extraordinary beauty. The whole situation was an exercise in shame. But the 17-year-old me could never have been convinced that this was a bad idea. Any questioning of it seemed like a knock against my own sense of maturity. Now I know I was still a kid, but at the time, I genuinely thought I was grown. I think this is a major factor in a lot of these predatory scandals we see. The girls think of themselves as grown-up women who are suddenly being welcomed to the grown-up world by actual grown-ups, and it is not until decades later that they realize the damage. I've been trying to think of what anyone could have said or done at the time to shift my thinking around it. And all I can come up with are a couple of things that shifted my thinking now. One of those things was reading Edith Wharton's novel, The Buccaneers. And the other was watching the TV series version of the same. I feel it may have been a combination of the two. I'll walk you through it. The central character of this story, Nan St. George, is fairly childlike when we meet her. She's just been given a governess to look after her, and she resents being given a babysitter when she feels grown, but then comes to adore Miss Test Valley, her English governess. Her older sister has just come out, in the debutante sense, and so they all troop over to England for the London season. Nan meets Guy Thwaite on a tour of his house, and they have some stimulating conversation about the estate, the landscape, and the paintings, and it's clear they like each other. But it's also clear she's a child. So he goes off to South America to make some money, and she meets the Duke. And the Duke is charmed by her and asks Miss Test Valley what he should do about proposing. She tells him to wait, and that, in many ways, Nan is still a child, really. And he replies that that is what he likes about her. This moment is gross in the book, but it made an even bigger impact on me in the TV show somehow. Because we have seen how like a child she is. Because the actor, Carla Gugino, is playing her as this vivacious, luminous, enthusiastic creature that, of course, we find charming. But we can also see how she is still a child, even though she has a woman's body. Suffice it to say that this marriage does not end well for the Duke or Nan. She grows up, and he doesn't like it. 
There's something about watching a girl who, of course, is longing to be seen as an adult, end up in the hands of a man who doesn't recognize that he should wait for her to grow up that turned on a series of light bulbs for me. I have no idea what effect it would have on an actual teenage girl. Would she recognize her own vulnerability as a child who feels ready to be an adult but isn't quite? Would it help her avoid the dukes of this world? The educator in me really wants to be able to solve this for future generations. And of course I think stories are the answer because stories are powerful. The plethora of stories, songs, plays, movies, TV about a man falling in love with a young girl have played a role in how normal this feels to everyone. She was just 17, if you know what I mean. It's not just Lolita. It's story after song, after film, after novel, after opera, after play, after book. We need more stories that show us why the girl dating the older man is not a great idea. From this angle, the red flags are legion, but how do we help girls see the red flags when they are blinded by the romance of being brought into the grown-up world by a grown-up man? More importantly, what stories would help men to see that underage women don't exist? Underage women are girls. They are still children, even when they look like women. Because I've spent a lot of time in a lot of high school classrooms, I know the difference. I've met a lot of highly mature, intelligent, vibrant teenagers. They are extraordinary humans, but they are clearly still children. I cannot imagine how a healthy adult person could see them as a prospect for romance. They are children, intelligent, energetic, passionate children, but still children. No teenage girl wants to be seen as a child, though, which is why this problem is so hard to shake. There is nothing anyone could have said to me that would have convinced me that a relationship with a man was a bad idea. This is true for my friends at the time, too, who also got involved with men much older than themselves. None of us could have been convinced we were still girls and that these relationships might have consequences beyond us feeling grown up and ready for the world. Stories that shift this might be good for the girls, but given that they are still children, I actually think it's more important for men to see these stories, to learn the difference between a woman and a girl, to recognize their own power as adult men and wield it for good. It shouldn't take an unfinished novel written in the 1930s to show us the way. There should be more stories. And if you're 17 and reading this, maybe just realize that that older man who was after you is kind of a creep, even if he seems cool now. You don't need to wait 29 years to discover his creepitude. I'm here to tell you, if he's a man and you're a kid, he's a creep. So there's only one thing that's no longer true in this blog, which is that I am no longer 46. I am 47. My birthday happened between when I wrote this and when I blogcasted it. <laughs> so I suppose I could have made an edit as I was reading it, 
but that it would have also required a few other changes uh, in terms of the math. But the math actually didn't change. Anyway, it would be a little too complicated. So, uh, uh, so correction, I guess, but also still true at the point at which this blog was published. Time is funny. Time is very, very funny. So, uh, today's song, guess what? Guess what it is? I bet you can. I already quoted it in the blog. <laughs> um, it is, uh, I saw her standing there by the Beatles. Um, which is a song I enjoy and like, but seems a little dark now that I think about it. Uh, I, I, the only way this I can make this song right is if it's like a 17-year-old boy who's singing the song, or 17-year-old girl, uh, then it's like, okay, so she's 17. You're also 17. That seems, that seems reasonable. But I don't think that's the case because of the she was just 17, if you know what I mean. Like, it ju there's just, it's hard to imagine. Like, if I'm 17, I'm not going to say he's just 17. Like, there's just, a, it's, it's implied that the person who is looking at this attractive 17-year-old girl is a man and not uh, a peer. So... I'll be singing it accordingly. <laughs> uh, so that's coming up in a moment. Meanwhile, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, stay tuned for, I don't even know, what is the next blog going to be? What is the ne next episode going to be? We will find out as soon as I post it myself. Um, and if you like the blogcast or the blog or any of these things, please do tell someone about it. That would be awesome. Um, you can support it on Patreon, patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. There's also a Ko-fi account and a PayPal account. So those links are all in the show notes. Um, and your support is very much appreciated. Thank you very much. Um, also, if you are interested in my narrative podcast, my audio drama, The Dragoning, we are uh, we've eight episodes in, plus these little extras that sometimes I give to you here as well. Uh, so that's you can find The Dragoning on any podcast app. Also, link to that is also in the show notes. Um, and that I believe is all for today's blogcast. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, here, without any further ado, is I Saw Her Standing There. Well, she was just 17 If you know what I mean And the way she looked was way beyond compare so how could I dance with another when I saw her standing there she looked at me could see that before too long I'd fall in love with her 
She was just 17 If you know what I mean 